0: awesome how how many of you know that we or well, this is what I believe anyway so I don't know I guess I'll find out one day if I'm correct <laughs> how many of you know that we are living in the day of rain the, the day of rain I believe so I believe we're living in the in, in the day of rain <laughs> a little bit a little bit literally in Australia at the moment but 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 like spiritually we're living in what we are calling the day of rain and um, and just the last couple of weeks, the God's been speaking to me, um, really like quite on like just personally, as in things that He wants to see in in, in my life, uh, either built or increased. And and I just believe that it's also a word for for everyone. So I'm just going to share from that place. And I'm going to start in in uh, in Zechariah ten one. And it says in Zechariah ten one, um, I don't know what version I've got written here. It could, I'm not sure, but. They all say similar things. So. But in Zechariah 10, it says, ask the Lord for rain in the season of spring rain. Ask for rain in the season of rain. The Lord makes the rain clouds and he will give them showers of rain and crops in the field for everyone. And he's just been speaking to me that in, in, in the season of rain, where to ask that he send and that he give and he bring the rain. And, um, and that ha- there's, there, like, there's a little bit of a process to that, and that looks like something. And so we're going to kind of like look at that this morning. Does that sound pretty cool? I'm excited about it. All right, so Zechariah 10.1. So there's two, two key scriptures that, that he's put on my heart, and that's ask for rain in the season of rain. Um, and then the other one, is uh is is in Hosea 1012. Um, and I think I've got this in, in the amplified version. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow with a view to righteousness, that righteousness like seed may germinate, reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness. And this is the, the area where he's really speaking loudly. Break up your uncultivated ground. In some translations it says, break the fallow ground. For it is time to seek and search diligently for the Lord and to long for his blessing until he comes to reign righteousness and his gift of salvation on you. We all got that? That's a pretty awesome scripture. I'm just going to like go into what, what break the uncultivated ground looks like uh, naturally. And so it's an agricultural term. Um, so the term to break the uncultivated ground or break the ground is agricultural. Uh, it was ground, listen to this, it was ground that could be productive, but because of its current condition, it was currently unusable or unused. Unusable and unused, sorry. So, so this, is the, this is what the uh, fallow ground is, agricultural term. Um, it could be productive but currently unusable or unused. The process of breaking the ground involved removing stumps, plowing to soften the, field, uh, the the soil, dislodging and removing large rocks, and gathering and burning the weeds. And so spiritually speaking, it is like a repentance process undertaken with the Holy Spirit as the farmer of your heart. How cool is that? That's really good. Um And so we'll read Hosea 10.12 again, now that we know what the fallow ground is. So with with a view to righteousness, that righteousness like seed may germinate, reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness. Break up your uncultivated ground, for it is time to seek and search diligently for the Lord. And to long for His blessing until He comes to rain righteousness and His gift of salvation upon you. That's really awesome. So, in and and then the final one that I'm going to look at for the time being is uh, one Peter chapter four, and it kind of summarizes these two scriptures, brings them into the new covenant. One Peter chapter four verses seven. It says, "Since we are approaching the end of all things," that's what I call about the that's what I'm calling like the day of rain. Since we're approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Since we're approaching the day of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. And so what this morning is and what we're really talking about in these three scriptures is is God's calling us to to a new place of prayer, and to a new level of prayer. I really believe that God is calling, his, it's, not that, it's not a new thing, but it's like, an, it's like a turning up the volume and a turning up the heat. And for some people, you've been praying like faithfully, year after year after year, day after day after day, and that is awesome. And God's saying, turn it up. And for some of us, maybe we don't have like a, like a, a disciplined or, or consistent prayer life, and God's saying, break the fallow ground. Break the fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to turn it up. It's, um, that really is my message in a nutshell. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper than that. But uh, I could just kind of sit down after that, to be honest with you. Um, and so, um. and yeah, man, God's been really like, he's really putting this on my heart. And there is a purpose to this. And there is like, a, a, there is an like when we're when we're praying and when we're like following these scriptures, I don't know if you've noticed it, but in Hosea and in Zechariah, they both were speaking of like of like farming, which is like sow, seed time and harvest, you know. And so th- there there is like a, a harvest point, and there is like a reaping that comes from what we're talking about. There is something on the other side of this. There is a reason why God wants to turn up the heat, turn up the prayer, turn up your, your personal intimate life with, with him. And, and, um, and it's because it's necessary for what's to come. It's because we're living in the day of rain. And he's saying, in the day of rain, pray for rain. Awesome. Um, I'm going to quickly read in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 12. Um, It's a bit of a, like, long passage, so you don't have to go there. I'm going to read it in the the Passion Translation. Um, And Jesus is speaking, uh, telling a parable. When my coming draws near, this is the day of rain, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, and they took no extra oil for their lamps. Five of them were wise, for they took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. Ten maidens, five were foolish because they didn't bring extra oil. Five were wise because they did. They were all maidens. They were, the, the ten of them, they were all maidens. The difference was what they did. When the bridegroom didn't come, when they expected, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. How many of you know that there's been like so many moments in history where people said Jesus is coming real soon and and, and they don't kind of like, they stop preparing and they just expect him to show up. They stop kind of like living purposefully and intentionally and and they just think, oh, well, it's any day now, so we're just going to wait. You know what I mean? That's what this is talking about. They stop preparing. Then suddenly in the middle of the night they were awakened by the shout get up the bridegroom is here come out and have an encounter with him so all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps but the foolish ones were running out of oil so they said to the five wise ones share your oil with us because our lamp our lamps are running out we can't they replied we don't have enough for all of us you'll have to go and buy some yourselves While the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him and the wedding party um, to enjoy the feast. And then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called back, go away. Now, this is the, 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 the main point. Go away. Do I know you? Go away. Do I know you? I just think that's just such a fascinating scripture. I mean, these 10 maidens were obviously meant to be there. And yet five of me said, do I know you? Because they were ill prepared. Do I know you? I can assure you, I don't even know you. And if we look again, in, um, the, if we parallel that scripture with Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, which I've got written here, he's using another parable. And he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven's kingdom. It is only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. On the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do miracles in your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels, which is harsh. I mean, they're they're doing the stuff. (laughs) I've never been joined to you. In the day of rain, pray for rain and break the fallow ground. That's what the Lord is saying right now. That's why I'm saying to the intercessors and to the prayers, turn it up. And to those that haven't got these disciplines and these this like consistent relationship in your life, turn it on. It's time. It's time that we do this. And, and, and there's like more to it than this. So these these are two parables that I use were talking about like intimacy and and, and fellowship with with God, with the Father. And and that and, and, the, and what that produces. Um, I, I believe God is speaking more now than ever before. I think, I think God wants us in such an alert and sharp state. And This is the point of, of consistent intimacy and fellowship with God, apart from the obvious things, is it sharpens and quickens your senses to his voice. Yep. The more time you spend with a person, The more you invest into a person, the more deeply you know them, the quicker you are to recognize them. How many of you have heard that example? Like if there's like a group of like 60 women or, I don't know, that's probably too many, (laughs) a group of like five women in a room, the husband's going to be able to pick out his wife's voice because he knows her. He spends like every single day time with her. He recognizes her voice. There is other voices like all going at the same time probably in that room. <laughs> but he can pick out her voice, you know? And that's what these scriptures are talking about. It's actually like, this is the the importance of it. It's actually, it's, it's, it's encouraging us, man. We must know him. In, um, in Matthew, I think it is somewhere, I don't, I don't know exactly where it is. It says that, that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. And so we're, we're talking about... Uh, What God is requiring from us, what what He's looking for in this, other than just because He loves you and He loves spending time with you, He wants to He wants us to be so good at recognizing His voice. He wants us to know Him so well that we can actually represent Him. Can you represent someone that you don't know? Can you represent someone that you don't understand? Can you represent someone that you can't see? Probably, maybe, but not really that well. And that's what this is about. God needs us in the secret place. He needs us in daily fellowship. He needs us in intimacy. He needs us to break the fallow ground. Just to, 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 to remove... The, the rocks and to remove the stumps and to remove the weeds and to, and to, and to break the hard ground and, and, and plow it ready so that when he speaks, it actually produces something in our life. That it's actually, you become all of a sudden, not just usable, but used also. So the fallow ground isn't usable and it's unused, but there's potential there. Every single one of you there is potential there, but you need that fallow ground broken. You need to be made useful and used. Does that make sense? Because he's after a harvest in you, he's after fruit in us in these days. Um, this is such an intense word, eh? But this is the gospel. This is actually what we signed up for, by the way. When we asked Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior, this is actually what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for a bless me club, but you know what? You are blessed because you become an heir of the king. But this is what you signed up for. This is what it is. And if you think it's like anything less than that, then you're going to be so disappointed with your Christian life. You're actually going to be so uncontent you're going to be so easily offended you're going to be so easily deceived to and fro that you might as well throw your christianity in the garbage because that's what it is essentially it's not authentic and it's not worth anything if it's not this that is harsh man i'm i'm so <laughs> that is so full on But this is the word that's on my heart. This is what he's been speaking to me. And this is the season that we live in. Guys, you understand how privileged that we are to live in the day and the age that we do? You know why God is speaking to us now more than ever before? Because there's more of us. (laughs) There's more of us on the earth now than there ever has been. And he is speaking to you. He is talking to you. He's directing you and He is like positioning you to be used. But we need to be able to discern that. We need to be able to hear it and then follow it. I found in my own personal life, the days that I've and the times that I've pushed into him the most intensely, the hardest, are the times that I've heard the most like had the most incredible like revelations, dreams and things like that. And I'm not even and I'm not saying that I'm after it. The, the, the point that I'm trying to make is I reckon those moments were always there, ready to be had, but I wasn't always switched on to hear it. Does that make sense? It's like God is, these moments, these revelations, and these intimate encounters, the, world, the, the things that he says to you that changes the course of your life, which then in turn changes the course of the lives of the people around you, those moments are there, ready to go, like, all the time. And we just need to be ready to hear it, ready to hear it in a position to take it on board yeah. come, on. Yeah. come on we are all mandated to grow up into maturity as sons of god man this this is this is what it's all about we're all mandated to grow up into maturity as god's sons who can tell me what's the hallmark of a son who said that be led by the spirit that's it that's exactly it the hallmark, of one that is led by, the hallmark of one that is called the Son is the one that is led by the Spirit of God. What I asked before is how can you follow someone that you can't hear? How can you follow someone that you can't see? Those that are led by the Spirit of God. And being led isn't necessarily just following and seeing. It's obedience too. That's the hallmark and that's what God's producing on the inside of us. So this is what this is all about. The, the reason why God is calling us to a place of consistent, like, intimate prayer is because of what he wants to do with your life and the lives of those around you. He wants you in a position where he can speak to you and he can take it to the bank that you're going to hear him and you're going to obey him. And then kingdom's going to break out. And that is the gospel. That is true Christianity right there. That's actually what it's about. So the hallmark of one that is a son is being, is, a, is being people who are led by the Spirit of God. And, and, and Jesus demonstrated what a son looked like. How many of you know that scripture that Je- when Jesus said that I only do what I see the Father do and I only say what I hear the Father say? And you know what else it said about Jesus? It says that he was obedient even to the point of, of death. And so those three things are the perfect example of what it looks like to be a son. That's what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God. And God needs us to be people that can hear His voice clearly, that can see Him, that we've, we've been so positioned, so so placed, our spirit has been so sharpened, so undistracted, our ground has been ploughed. Our heart is ready to receive that seed so that we can begin to produce a, a harvest. Um. I've just written here that I I can't say for sure how Jesus... This is about how to get good at hearing God's voice. And and I wrote, I can't say for sure how Jesus got so good at hearing the Father. I I bet it was a journey. But I have observed in the Gospels that it says often Jesus would go off alone to pray all night. (laughs) I'm not telling you all you have to go and pray all night, man. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just pointing out the example that Jesus gave us. Yeah. Often he would put him, take himself aside and pray all night, and that he. And this is the next point that I made, and that he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Now I don't know about you, but frequently, like frequent all night prayer meetings, sounds like suffering to me. <laughs> Those times that I was talking about where I've been pressing into God the most intensely, giving him the most of my time, praying the most consistently, they weren't fun. Sometimes they were, like sometimes it was awesome. But a lot of the time it was just discipline. It was just, I felt the call of God in my heart. I knew that he was calling me to a place and to to a relationship that, that I wasn't at in that moment and so i went after it and i'd and i'd pray in tongues and 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 what i thought the fruit of it was was just like a sore mouth sore like sore tongue and and a dry mouth kind of thing like it's not always it's not always glamorous when we put these disciplines in place and it's funny like this like a lot of the church is so scared of preaching this because they're like that sounds like works brother how many of you even maybe had? you don't have to put your hand up, but perhaps, some of you might have even had that thought. That sounds like works. But it's actually not works. So it's called passion. Yeah. Come on. You know, the greatest athletes in the world that have this dream to be the best that there ever was, are driven by this passion. And that passion looks like waking up early in the morning when everyone else is asleep and slaving at the gym and going hard and spending the extra time, I don't know, kicking the ball in the back of the net when no one else is doing it because they're driven by passion. They're driven by something. There's a goal in sight. I don't want to be a Christian that is just led by emotions and feelings. God gave us those. They're awesome and there's a place for them, but it's not the bottom line. There is a part, there is a place of like where where we need to just like, it's called the sacrifice of worship and praise. It's the sacrifice of worship and praise. And, and I just really believe that God is calling us to that. There's things that we have hoped for in God. There's things that we have hoped for and believed for, for the city, for your friends, for your family, that you're not, and, and, that you're not going to see without this lifestyle, without, without this kind of plowing of the ground, without this kind of discipline, without prayer and worship and getting into the Word of God, these fundamental Christian disciplines that make you useful and usable. This is what makes you useful and usable. Yes, man, like and just let me just like put this out there as well. There is no prayer and there is no worship without the blood of Jesus. That that place isn't even accessible to us to begin with. So that's where, that's where the works kind of like we can't earn it is what I'm trying to say. Like like you can't earn the power and the favor of God. But what these disciplines do is they actually sharpen your senses. That's what it's actually doing. It's actually strengthening your spirit, man, and making you useful and making you more usable. I'm not saying that you, like, if you you don't pray, God can't you? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's more. There's so much more. You know that in the Bible, it doesn't say that it is faith that breaks the, the yoke and removes the burden. It doesn't say that faith breaks the yoke and removes it. It says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and removes the burden. It's the anointing that does that. And it's the person that gets down on their hands and feet, or hands and hands and knees. It's the person that that, that gives that sacrifice that the anointing actually falls upon. Yeah. You know that? It's like salvation is the free gift. Salvation can't be earned, and it can't be worked for, and it can't be, like, That is just just God's love and His mercy and His grace. But the anointing costs something. You know why five virgins didn't have oil and the other five did? Because the the other five spent the extra money on the oil and were prepared. The other five were willing to pay just a little bit more of a cost. Not just the lamp, but they paid for the extra oil too. And the other five didn't. And so they had reserve. They had oil that kept on flowing and a fire that kept on burning. When times got tough, their oil kept them burning. That's what that's talking about. It costs something, guys. It costs something. It costs something. You can be saved and you can kind of like enjoy your salvation and and a meager Christian living. Or you can rise up and be the sons and daughters of God that all creation is waiting for the manifestation of. That's what we're called to. That's actually the enjoyable, that's actually the satisfying Christian life. And it doesn't have to look like standing up on a platform and it doesn't have to look like going out and like preaching on the streets. That stuff is cool. But it can look like being a school teacher and you're filled with the anointing and the power of God. And the children that come into your classroom get under the anointing because you've paid the price for them. Mm -hmm. And they get set free. Oh, Jesus, I remember a time where I went surfing and I just, it was just, just during one of these times where I was really pressing in with everything that I had and God started to speak to me in that place and I got this awesome revelation of his mercy and his blood and I went for a surf one morning and, and I was just like so aware of his presence and while I was surfing, these two kids paddled out. And they were just swearing. And There like they, they must have been like 12 or something like that. And they were just swearing and just speaking so nasty, <laughs> talking such a tough talk. And I was just there like on my own, just like aware of the presence of God. And I just said in my heart, I'm like, God, I hate it when they speak like that. And I reckon it's because he hated it when they spoke like that. Yeah. And, and I, I literally, I just thought that just in, in, just while I was surfing. And then they came out the back and then they just kept one of them, the one that wasn't speaking as nasty started speaking nasty. And the one that was speaking super nasty suddenly just stopped and he says, you know what, man? And there was no like expression that gave me away that I was thinking anything bad of them or anything like that. He turned to his friend and goes, you know what, man? Let's not talk like that anymore. It's not cool. All of a sudden, it's like out of nowhere, they came under this bubble That I'd been experiencing, and conviction got in their heart. There was no faith involved. There was no like words coming out of my mouth. It was just the anointing that got on them. Was the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit? He said, You know what, man, let's not talk like that anymore. Because it's not cool. And I was like, What the heck just happened? That was crazy. It got crazier. It got way crazier. The very next thing that happened, this other, one of the boys stretched out his arms like this. He was like bodyboarding, so he wasn't using his arms. He stretched out his arms like this, and he went, oh, my God, oh, my God. And his friend next to him started going, oh, my God. And I'm like, and I asked, what's going on, boys? And he said, I just got my cast off yesterday, and I hadn't been able to lift my arm up this high, and all of a sudden, I can fully move it. And that's nothing to do with me. I witnessed the Holy Spirit flexing. (laughs) And I was, it was so, actually it was awkward because I was trained that like, like when God does stuff like that, I need to get in there and and like preach the gospel or something and get them saved. I didn't know what to do. I did not said anything other than, hey boys, what's up? I didn't share Jesus. I didn't do nothing. It was the anointing that broke every yoke and removed every burden. And God spoke to me in that moment. He said, this is a taste of the level that I've called people to. This is what it's supposed to look like. I never shared Jesus with those boys. I just enjoyed their company. I didn't know what to say. But God still healed them. That's, this is what I'm talking about. This is the fruit. When you break up the hard ground, when you pray for rain in the day of rain, this is what he can make of your life. This is what you're called to. Every single one of you are called. I was surfing. I was doing a leisurely activity. You can be at work and God can use you like that and much more mightily. That's what it looks like when the scriptures said in Romans 8, all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's what a manifestation of the sons of God looks like. We read about it in Acts where Peter used to walk the streets and people would lay the crippled that maybe his shadow might pass by them because they would get healed. He was on another level, but it wasn't an exclusive level, guys. This isn't an exclusive level. This is sonship. This is sonship. We're living for something far greater than what you could ever imagine. And it is available to every single person. There is no elites. The same Holy Spirit that says in the Bible, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. That's who it was that did that, not me. I just made myself usable and useful. And I could only do that because of what Jesus did for me in the first place. It's Him. I just man, and He's speaking to me about it again. I just believe the things that are to come are just going to be so extraordinary, and I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be the the maiden that doesn't have my oil like on tap. You know what I mean? That is that's a feast. That's what it looks like to feast, man. When you see God break out like that, that's awesome. I think I'm reading now from my notes. I think God wants us in such a place of communion with him that his message isn't falling on deaf ears, nor is it being held up in the second heaven like when we read about in Daniel. And so sometimes like God's speaking and what he's saying is being held up. Have you guys read about like in Daniel where, where, where he's praying for the answer to the dream that he's been? Who's like heard God speak and there's no understanding and you just don't get what he's trying to say? Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep seeking. Just keep plowing. Because that's what it's talking about. God is speaking to you. He's, he's, he's waiting to, to, to use you in, in mighty ways. He just needs us to be useful and usable. He needs us to pay the cost for the oil. Who wants to pay the cost for the oil? Faith is awesome. Without it, we can't please God. But it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and removes the burdens. The, the, um, the apostles brought... No, it was the, the father brought his son to Jesus and said, like, the apostles couldn't cast the demon out of this man. Jesus cast out the demon. Later on, the apostles said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? He said, this type doesn't come out only but by prayer and fasting. Some people say he's talking about unbelief. Some people think he's actually talking about the demonic spirit. He's probably talking about both. But what the point that Jesus was making was that by prayer and fasting, something on a whole other level took place that the apostles couldn't reach and couldn't do. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is where it was where God anoints a person. That's where the anointing is. Why was King David anointed king over everybody else? Why was he anointed king over everybody else? He, in his own father's eyes, didn't even qualify to be put in front of this prophet Samuel as a possible candidate, but he was God. Hello. He was God's chosen man. It's because that he had a heart after God's heart. And it talks about Daniel that he would spend his time in the field looking after the sheep, worshiping him, praying, praising him. And in that place, David learnt to recognize the voice of the Father. And all of a sudden he became someone that God said, Not only is he worthy to be king, but from his lineage salvation will come. Isn't that awesome? We are all called to this. Do not disqualify yourself. Do not disqualify yourself. If you can think of reasons right now that disqualify you, I just want you to hold up that reason to the blood of Jesus. And if that reason is stronger than the blood of Jesus, then you can have your excuse. Everyone qualifies. Everyone qualifies for this. Everyone is invited into this. Thank you, God. So what I'm going to do is, 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 can I get maybe Josh or some worship team up? You could just play an appropriate song. <laughs> I don't know, I'll let you decide. I just want people to actually respond to this. I'm not going to necessarily pray for you, but I want you to respond to this. I want you to do something uncomfortable and respond to it, to be intentional about it. And so Josh is going to worship, and I just want you to come up the front and just declare to God that you're going to pay the price for the oil to ask for your marching orders, to ask Him what next step can I take? What is it going to look like, Lord, for me to plow my field, to break, my, to break the fallow ground? What does it look like for me right now to pray for rain in the day of rain? What is that going to look like for me? I want you to come up, if that's you, and I want you to just like make a contract with Him or just speak to Him and take it to Him. Breaking up the hard ground, it is an act of repentance. And then praying for rain in the day of rain is turning up the heat. And I just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, for your grace to get upon these people. God, that your grace gets on them and that a hunger gets on them that they never ever experienced before. Lord God, that a desire, Lord, to, to seek you and a desire to be used by you and a desire to be the person, the man, the woman that you have called them to be, the desire to be the manifest son of God that you speak about in Romans 8, Lord God, is like so, so big in their hearts, Lord God, that it becomes their main, like, their main focus. God, that you do something, Lord God, with their response to you and that you remember it. So we just thank you, Father, for your grace right now coming on them. That it's it's not by might or by power, but by your spirit. We just thank you right now, Father, that you're blessing this moment in this time and that you're speaking to them. And I just right now, I just cover them with the blood of Jesus. I ask right now, Father, for your mercy and for your grace, Lord God, that covers a multitude of sins. I thank you right now, Father, for your mercy and for your grace, Lord God, that that enables them, that makes them worthy, that qualifies them, and that quantifies them. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.